You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Well, good day. Happy Saturday to you. It's looking lovely outside, uh, but it's a wee bit chilly. Today's the first day I actually think I need to uh, dig out a little scarf and maybe some mittens, like some cute ones though, not the uh, not the shearling lined ones, just those little, you know, those, what do they call them, magic mitts, those ones you get at the dollar store? Those, just a little something, it's a bit nippy out there. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, happy to be back. Last week we, ha- we were sort of... Um, preempted for, I think it was an Argos game in the afternoon, and a couple of things had to go down. So uh, good to be back. Uh, Halloween is coming up in, uh, I guess we're just like just over a week. I would love to know what costume is uh, going on in your household, whether it's for you, maybe you you go to adult parties of the Halloween variety, the costume variety, or uh, for your kids. Because I don't really partake in Halloween and I live in a condo building, I don't really see, like I don't get trick-or-treaters. I don't actually uh, see anyone in costume except for the the guys and girls uh, stumbling home on like a Saturday or Sunday morning from having been out really late. And I don't think their costumes are a good reflection of what is actually popular overall for children. Uh, I think that is a safe bet. Uh, I was looking at um, costumes at a like giant... Uh, party store last week because I was just curious to see what was out there. I'm just when I was growing up in the 80s, you didn't, you weren't able to just walk into a store and buy a Halloween costume. Like you, you made your costume or somehow you put together your costume. You know, um, you added stuff to something maybe that you had, but you didn't walk into a store and have racks of pre-made costumes that you just had to, you know, pull over your head and head out the door. Like, it's a magical time right now. It's it's quite a time to be alive. The only costumes I remember being able to purchase when I was a kid at, like, Zeller's or – does anyone remember Woolco? Was that a – no, uh, Mike is shaking his head. Not a, not a department store, you know? I remember hearing about that. <laughs> Just like Bargain Heralds was a store. That- I, I remember going to Bargain Heralds. That was fun. <laughs> the only costumes I remember that you could kind of buy is, like, let's say you wanted to be He-Man. It was kind of hard to, because he had a certain look or She-Ra. You could buy those. Do you remember those really thin plastic masks? You can never keep them around because they cracked really easily. And they had just one little thin elastic that would go around the back of your head. But the elastic, in my case anyway, and I don't think this was exclusive to growing up in Nova Scotia, the elastic was stapled to the side of the plastic mask. And the staples would like... It's incredibly dangerous. They they would like scratch your face. There's the, the elastic would snap sometimes if you if you pulled it too hard, and you couldn't wear those masks for more than like ten minutes because there was barely like the, the tiny little breathing holes and get all like steamy and foggy. But you'd be outside trick or treating in like minus five degree uh, weather. So when I was at this costume store, I'm like, oh, I want to see what's out there because there's a lot of really fun things. And I was actually at Winners a couple of weeks ago, and I posted these photos to my Instagram at Paychen. And there are an abundance of food-themed costumes, which I love. So, you know, there was like a bacon costume, a slice of pizza. You could be bacon and eggs. You could be a taco, like all these really fun things. But in this costume store that I was at, all the men's costumes were, um, they were fine. It was like Ninja Turtles, uh, superheroes, um, you know, cowboy, all the stuff. And then you go and you look at the women's costumes, and I'm sorry, 
The ones for women were all about 50% less material and they were all corsets. I saw this one and I said to my friend, I'm like, look at that. That is adorable. Look at that little child's uh, ninja turtle costume. It was like the belly of a turtle shell. And then my friend picked it up and it turned out it was a corset. It was a slutty Ninja Turtle costume for a woman. I'm like, I would not wear that. I'd go and I'd shop in the guy section. So I was a little offended. All of the, every variety of the men's costume, the women's costume were, were like so much smaller and tighter and shorter and chillier for the, for the cold weather. Um, Anyway, that's my Halloween rant, but I'd love to know what's going on in your household. You can text in at 7 10 10. Uh, speaking of Halloween, I was visiting my uh, Syrian family earlier this week. I hadn't seen them in a little while. So this is the uh, Syrian family that a group of friends and I have privately sponsored. They've been here for uh, half a year already. And they're selling in. They're, you know, the kids, their English is just um, advanced so much. It's really quite amazing to have you know, full, proper conversations with them. So I asked them, I said, are you going out for Halloween? And they kind of like, think about it for a second. Like we grew up with Halloween. It's a very North American thing entrenched in our minds. So it's natural. Like, do you remember your first Halloween? Probably not. You probably couldn't walk, but someone took you out in a costume and made you get candy. So I'm telling these four Syrian children about Halloween. And the more I say, the more strange I realize it sounds because I'm like, no, you get dressed up and they're like, well, what do you have to wear? Assuming maybe there's a typical costume people are supposed to wear. I'm like, no, no, you can wear whatever you want. You can be your favorite um, TV star or pop star or, you know, a cartoon a cartoon character. You could, um, you can just be something fancy. And then you go out to, to a neighborhood and you knock on people's doors and they give you free candy and they're looking at me like, are you crazy? You're actually telling us to go to strangers' doors, ask strangers for candy, take the stranger's candy and eat it. And I'm like, yes, this is the one day of the year that we advise you to do this. Every other day of the year, we say stranger danger. Don't, don't take their candy. Um, so I've got a lot coming up on the show today, uh, including if you love food and you love film, we'll tell you what's happening at the Eatable Film Festival. It actually kicks off today and it runs until Tuesday. And I'll give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Tuesday evening screening. And you'll also get to enjoy some great food paired with the movie. So this is the um, second year they've had this film festival. And I think they started a bit of a trend because there's a couple of other food slash film festivals going on. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to see a bit, uh, bit more of it. Also, mm, changing gears for a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Poop Cafe. It exists uh, in uh, Koreatown, so that's sort of like the Bloor Christie area. So it's been open for just a couple of weeks, and it took inspiration from a couple of similarly themed cafes and restaurants uh, around the world, uh, heavily in Asia. I'm not sure what the 
I don't know what the obsession is in these Asian countries. I think it's more that the poop emoji is very adorable and we are welcoming that because I have to tell you that the poop emoji itself is actually one of the top costumes for 2016. You can get the poop emoji hat. You can even get the mask with the elastic. I don't think the elastic is stapled on. Uh, but uh, Karan Liu, who is the Toronto Star food writer, he's been to this cafe. So we're going to chat with him and find out what is in there and uh, you know what what do you eat when you're at uh, what do you eat when you're at the poop cafe? What do they have on offer? What is on the menu? And what is the decor like? I'm Curious to know if it's just like a bunch of toilet seats lined up and that's the novelty of it. If you've been, I'm not sure if any of you have, text in and let me know, 71010. Be very curious to know if you have been to the Poop Cafe or are you curious about going to visit such a place? I promise you this will not be the first one that's open in the city. Um, also, I, uh, as I was mentioning, I had visited the uh, the kids from my Syrian family earlier this week and we were at dinner. It's kind of like chaotic because they get so excited when... Uh, members of our group go to visit. And uh, there are a couple of conversations going on. And this is just one of those like, kids say the darndest things. Uh, So the 10-year-old, the very rambunctious 10-year-old, he was having conversations that I wasn't really listening to. I was talking to his sister. And then he goes, pay, pay. Do you have a sex box? And I'm like, do I I have a a what? He's like, a sex box. Do you have a sex box? And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I really don't know how to answer this question. And then my friend, who was also uh, one of our um, sponsorship group members, she's like, oh no, I think he's trying to say six, six box. And he's like, oh yeah, six, six box. I'm like, what? And, she, and then she's like, no, 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 you're trying to say six pack because his older brother likes to go to the gym and has been working on his abs. And he's like, yeah, yeah, do you have a six pack? I'm like, I do not have a six pack. But in terms of sex box... Totally different story, but we're not going to talk about that because you are 10 years old. If you, those of you who have children uh, and help them with their math homework, bless you, because I actually had to use my calculator to help the 10-year-old with his math. And I asked him, I'm like, are you allowed to use a calculator in class? And he said, yes. And I don't know if that's true or not, because I also think at home to do his homework, he was using a calculator a little bit to just, he wanted to go play. Um, But I was very embarrassed when he just showed me some... Uh, simple like subtraction problems. And I was looking at them like, okay, remember the thing about how you you borrow from one and you carry the whatever? It's been a very long time since this girl's had to do math on her own. I can only, I can calculate tip maybe off the top of my head and that's about all. Uh, after the break, you've heard me talk about the Furniture Bank several times on this show. Uh, it's also an organization that helped out the uh, family from Syria that I have been involved with. So it's an organization and cause that I strongly support because I'm fully aware of the great work that they do. And um, they have a warehouse in Etobicoke where they've got great volunteers there. And it's a place where people who are sort of starting new or starting over uh, can go and get some furniture to really help establish a home for themselves. Anyway, they rely on uh, generous donations. And one of their, their basically their big fundraising event is coming up uh, very soon in a week's time. So we'll tell you how you can be a part of that. And if you're a fan of, you know, some really great uh, designers, you can actually be there and kind of rub elbows with them and even bid on a unique one-of-a-kind piece of furniture designed by some um, Toronto area designers. And I think also a very special guest as well. So we'll tell you about that after the break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. 
Right now, we'll check your drive with News Talk 1010, time save for traffic. Good afternoon. Just one problem that's cleared away a few minutes ago. On Bloor, just east of Ossington, we had wires down, so that's been cleared away, so all lanes open now. No other problems other than the closure of the Gardner Expressway in its entirety until 5 a.m. Monday morning from the 427 through to the DVP near Carlaw. Now, no subway service on the Young University line between Finch and Lawrence stations for scheduled track work. We have shuttle buses running and a host of closures in town this weekend. A couple of them, first in Etobicoke, Kipling north of Belfield. We have alternating lane restrictions in both directions for road work. And then on Lawrence from Dufferin to the Allen, we're down to a single lane in each direction for road resurfacing. I'm Jody Thornton with Toronto's Breaking News, Traffic and Weather. In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Your next update at 
This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Do you have some furniture you don't need, but it's, you know, it's in good shape, so it's worth keeping around for someone instead of curbing it? Well, consider donating it to the Furniture Bank so that it can be used and appreciated by someone who really needs it. Uh, in studio with me, I have Dan Kershaw from the Furniture Bank. Dan, so nice to see you in person. Oh, so nice to be in. It's Thanks, It's usually, uh, I see you online, like stalking you on Facebook, <laughs> uh, or we chat on the phone. Yes. Um, so the Furniture Bank ha- is... Uh, organization that you've come on a few times of the year. We've kind of done a few pushes just to remind people that you exist Mm -hmm. and what you do. And I was just saying to you uh, in the break that I get a lot of random Facebook messages from people, very well-meaning people who happen to know that I've um, been helping out a Syrian family with some friends. So they see me as a, a resource in some ways of information, whether it's donating clothes or sometimes it's furniture. And I realize that not everyone understands how it works. Right. So the furniture bank, it, so you have a warehouse in Etobicoke. Yes. And it's a place where uh, families who are like starting over, starting new, mm-hmm. can go and select um, some pieces to create a home. Yep. Re- rebuilding homes. So we this year it's going to be over 5,000 families that are coming from any number of reasons. They could be a refugee family. They could be a mother and daughter who are restarting a life after fleeing abuse. They could be uh, somebody who's been recently housed, having uh, successfully got out of homelessness, or any other number of reasons that you may just be able to afford an apartment mm-hmm. and have nothing. Right. And the average cost for any one of us here to refurnish a home from scratch is between three and $5,000, which for all these people that are restarting, they don't have anything. And Furniture Bank started 18 years ago with that point in mind for for anybody to move forward in their life, to call it a home, they mm-hmm. have to have that furniture. They have right. to have those possessions. All of our homes are a representation of who we are. And uh, a lot of the families can't move forward, can't go to school, can't get jobs successfully without those furnishings. So we're very active in the community to collect that furniture. Uh, back in 2004, we realized that Lots of people aren't really keen to pile furniture into their trucks and, <laughs> what, what and do you bring mean? it all down. <laughs> and, and you know, I think it's really important to understand is that you know we one of the primary ways we fund ourselves mm-hmm. is we run a, a social business. Uh, we run a removal service where we'll come into your home with two professional guys and they will remove that furniture and those housewares. And the neat thing about what we do is what you donate uh, and uh, it comes back to Furniture Bank. And it goes into a showroom and volunteers work with the recipients that come in every day and they rebuild a home every day. And every day we have 20 families that are starting with nothing and they're rebuilding a home with the items that have been, we've been able to uh, collect from the community. Now, some people, uh, when I've mentioned to them, I said, yes, the furniture bank will absolutely come and pick up the furniture. So you've got a new, uh, you've got a bedroom set or dining or whatever. Uh, and I said, but there is a small fee. And mm-hmm. For some reason, for some people, it, it turns them off a little yes. bit. For me, I think, thank God, because people also pay for those junk removal services because you're just making my life easier. You're coming to me. You're taking away the stuff that is I don't want anymore, and I don't have to lift a finger. Yes. So there is a small cost involved. Oh, absolutely. We, we are in that space where you're hiring a professional service firm to come and remove. The difference being is the funds that you're paying us are actually going towards paying for the operation of the charity we run a youth employment program where we're social hiring individuals who are at risk and giving them job skills. 
and the furniture you're giving is going to be in a new home within 72 hours. We wow, turn that's over fast. we turn over the showroom every 72 hours and it's sort of a just in time operation. Yeah. Now, can you give us an idea of what it might cost to sure. remove furniture? Um, so an average, so the current average is around $250, mm-hmm. $270 for our average pickup. Again, it's based on the number of items. We have some people who are downsizing their whole home. Right. And we will send a whole truck or two trucks and we'll char- we'll you know, price it out accordingly. The, the difference is, is that you're going to, it's not going to go to the dump. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, it's immediately going to be put on the showroom and going to be go into a new home and be reused. Yeah. And the final benefit is we're also able to uh, provide a tax receipt. That's great. So uh, for that $270 um, you know, pickup fee mm-hmm. that you're paying t- to us, we're also generally uh, issuing a tax receipt for those items that ranges between five, six, seven hundred dollars for that same uh, pa- package of goods. And it's dependent on what we get. Well, it's fantastic because if you are buying a new furniture set for whatever room it is in your house, uh, you just need to clear it out. Yep. You just need somebody to come and get it. So, and I, and I do, when I was there um, with our family selecting furniture, uh, it does go quickly. It's all because yep. there are only, you're kind of at the mercy of whatever has been donated Absolutely. recently. So, you know, there was a small table, but there weren't chairs for the table. Right. So you're kind of picking and choosing pieces. So I think it's it's a you know fantastic way to divert things from mm-hmm. the landfill because some people are – they just want to dump stuff. They yep. don't want to deal with it. And someone who really needs it can use it. Now, let's just get to the event that you've got coming up, mm-hmm. the uh, chair affair. So October 28th at Castle Life. Yes. Sixth annual. Uh, tell us a bit about this event. So we uh, for what we do is we work with designers and celebrities around the city, and they will come in to Furniture Bank, and they will grab a piece of furniture, usually a chair, which needs some love. And they will go away and reimagine it, and it comes back uh, looking beautiful as a one-of-a-kind piece of art yeah. that you would want in your home. It's very unique and original. And you can see the photos on the website, furniturebank.org. You can also go there to buy tickets. They're uh, $200 a piece, but this really helps go. Yes, and uh, all, all the proceeds go towards us expanding our facilities. One of the key reasons we're doing this event is both awareness, mm-hmm. but more importantly, uh, we work with about 100 agencies that are referring their clients. We have a waiting list of over 120 agencies. Wow. Um, so while as, as much as we've grown, mm-hmm. there's still much more that we need to do. We need much more good furniture. So if you can't come to the event, when you have great furniture, please consider getting it to us. We do have some drop-off hours, mm-hmm. but most people, are, you know, especially here in the city, need people to come and remove it. And that's what we do every day. Uh, very quickly, is Norm Kelly yes, doing yes. something? So Norm Kelly and Jane Lockhart mm-hmm. uh, have paired up and have designed a chair, uh, which <laughs> will be auctioned off uh, at the event. Um, our business partner, uh, You Move Me and When You Heard Got Junk, they're uh, you know, uh, presenting this event at Castle Life as well. You know, we're really big on partnering with organizations. Uh, our working partnership with them, they've with what they've helped us be able to collect over 200 ha- families they've been able to support with their support in logistics and getting furniture to us. Fantastic. So it's a great opportunity to go and rub elbows with some of your favorite designers yeah. and pick up a one-of-a-kind unique piece of furniture as well. We've got tens of thousands of dollars of silent auction items. Wow. Lots of uh, great chefs. My, um, Chef Michael Smith is there. Uh, a Chop Canada champ is there. And yeah, and hosted by Jessica Holmes, and, who's an amazing lady. And the last one is Gowan. So I got gray hair. So anybody who knows Gowan, <laughs> know Gowan. Uh, he's going to be uh, 
He's uh, doing uh, the entertainment at the end oh, of the night. Oh, fantastic. So the, All right. Know. Well, good luck. And uh, furniturebank.org is where you can go to find out more info or to pick up tickets. And uh, keep them in mind if you have some furniture to donate. Thanks so much, Dan, for joining Friday, me. Friday, <laughs> October 28th. 28th. That's right. At uh, Castle Life, 350 Evans Avenue. We're taking a quick break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Now we'll check your drive with News Talk 1010. Time saver traffic. 
Well, good afternoon. Not many problems in the city. In-town issues gone on Bloor East of Ossington. We had wires down there. And, of course, the Gardner continues closed for maintenance. The whole way through between the 427 and Carlaw gives us a chance to run down some street closures in town, though. Lawrence from Dufferin to the Allen is down to a single lane each way for road resurfacing. And we have a pole installation blocking the right lane in both directions. That's along Morningside from Ellesmere to Kingston Road. Traffic brought to you by your Lexus dealer. The three-day Lexus event, October 20th to 22nd only. Enjoy 1.5% rate reduction and up to $5,000 in delivery credits. See your Lexus dealer. I'm Jody Thornton with Toronto's breaking news, traffic and weather. In-depth radio, News Talk 1010. Your next update at 345. More with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for joining me this Saturday afternoon. Well, have you ever wanted to eat or drink some of the delicious food you see on the big screen? Some of those great movies always have these like big feasts and you think, that bet that would taste good. Well, uh, you kind of can do that. I've got Rachel Lowe on the line. She's the co-founder of the Eatable Film Festival. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Pei. Uh, congratulations. I know this is your second year. Is that correct? So I'm assuming last year went well. It did. It went really well. We just did three events last year to test out the concept, and people seem to really love it. So we're back. Now, let's tell people what this is, because it's not, uh, it's not like brand new films. It, you, you pick a couple of uh, like interesting food-themed movies. Yes. So this year, we're doing four films, and two of the films are classics, favorites. We just finished, actually, with... Jim Jarmusch's Coffee and Cigarettes. And tomorrow we're doing Big Night with Stanley Tucci. And um, so those are classics, best love films. And we're pairing those up with, in the case of uh, Coffee and Cigarettes, our favorite, um, some of our favorite purveyors, Sam James Coffee Bar, Brandon Olson Chocolates, and Blackbird Baking Company. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow we're doing Big Night with Pizzeria Libretto, Rocco Agostino of Pizzeria Libretto, and James Santon at Enoteca Social. So we're both serving drinks and snacks during the film. And then tomorrow night, there's a special big dinner where we're kind of recreating the dinner that they celebrate in big night. So, in, uh, so tickets are, are tickets the same price for each screening? So they are $39 for all the events. Mm-hmm. Monday and Tuesday... We're actually premiering two brand new films. Oh, cool. Two brand new documentaries. Yep. Both actually from Holland. Fabulous films. One called Need for Meat and the other called Portrait of a Garden about a 16th century walled vegetable and fruit garden and the gardeners who tend it. And we're doing that one with uh, the chef John Horn from Canoe, who's making a fabulous and crazy dish called Sweet compost, <laughs> which is like chocolate dirt and twigs and rocks and cotton candy and all the fabulous things that you would find in a garden. No, I, I know uh, John Horn, the chef at Canoe, and he is, he's extremely talented. His food Unbelievable. Is, is really special and quite a treat. So to be able to you know, go see a movie and then sample something that he's made uh, exactly. is, is quite a nice... Exactly. And so much time on it. It's totally awesome and also created a pear and tequila cocktail to go with it called perfect pear 
So people can can eat and booze while they watch this movie. That's it. <laughs> like come in, have a cocktail, right, and get a snack. And the chefs are all here, like on the stage oh, when nice. you walk into the theater, right? Because you know they're the stars of the show. But our whole idea is that a movie changes when you're eating and drinking and watching it because you, the audience, become part of the experience. And it just makes it a lot more fun. So it's a party. It, it is a party. Uh, <laughs> how did you go about choosing the movies and then finding a, like a, a food or drink pairing to go with it? Right. Okay. So we kind of come at it two ways. One, um, we're looking for fabulous new films mm-hmm. that have just emerged this year. And actually, I found some of those at the Berlin Film Festival, where they have, you know, a fabulous collection of culinary cinema. And at the same time, we are also interested in people's absolute favorite food and uh, food movies and pairing those up. Like Rocco Agostino at Pizzeria Libretto, Mm -hmm. Big Night is his favorite film. So he was the perfect partner to do this. Because he's at, he's so inspired by the film, and that's kind of the whole point of this. Now, do you do you have your own like favorite food <clears throat> film? Well, the thing is, I my background's in food television, mm-hmm. and my whole thing was, yeah, it's fantastic to make all these beautiful images of food, but you don't get to eat it. So this is like my chance to you know, allow people, well, give people the opportunity to eat and drink what they see on the screen. So really, these are all my favorites. Like every time, you know, every time we think of a new one, then we think of a chef to work with. And it just goes on like that. It's the kind of the creativity of just finding food is such a fantastic way to, you know, connect to people. Now, have you found uh, that uh, food in movies and then, you know, food television, which is also your background, uh, like how that's sort of changed and shifted the industry in general? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually amazing, you know, how many people love Chef's Table, for example. Oh, it's and, fantastic. Right? Yeah. And oh, love, it's lovely. And, and I would say that what John Horn has created for Portrait of a Garden Mm -hmm. is as beautiful as anything you're going to see in Chef's Table. And that is what we're finding, that that chefs are involved in such an amazing creative enterprise. And when you connect them with a challenge, like, you know, making food inspired by the film, Mm -hmm. they are just like just doing it's it's even more exciting than I thought it would be. I guess for uh, for listeners who aren't familiar, Chef's Table is a really beautiful series that you can uh, watch on Netflix. That's right. And, and that's right. Yeah, and every episode uh, sort of follows the the story and the journey and the business of a particular chef. Uh, they're international chefs, but that's it's, right. It's um it's it's I don't want to say it's slow paced, but it's not like the shows that we're used to watching, the food shows that are, you know, really quick and punchy and there's competition. It's a really great way to learn actually about food either in a different country or of a particular chef's background. That's right. But I think the other thing about it is that you're just seeing so many beautiful images of food. It's so visually arresting Mm -hmm. that it, it does feel like a film because they're so beautifully shot. So it's the combination, as you say, of, you know, a good story and also amazing looking food. So you also have uh, a Q&A, I think, as part of the, the events? 
We do. Well, just for the, from the, for the premiere uh, films that, that are just premiering for the first time, mm-hmm. we are doing a Q&A because we like the idea of connecting the filmmaker with the chef and doing it in a slightly different way than you might at most film festivals. So um, they're going to be talking, the filmmaker and the chef, about the film, the food, and the connections between them. So the um, the two that have the Q&A are Monday and Tuesday evening, right? That's right. Need for Meat yep. and Portrait of a Garden. So I'm guessing Need for Meat is like, it's is it just all about raw meat? or? Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a fantastic story by um, this woman called Marin Frank, the journalist and filmmaker, who is exploring her own obsession with meat. A former vegetarian oh. who's obsessed with meat who's trying to decide whether to feed her daughter meat and asking questions like, do I care more about meat or sex? And even has an MRI to see, you know, which she's more obsessed with. Whoa. Okay. Interesting. Well, so, that's, so that will debut at the Eatable Film Festival and all the screenings are taking place at the, uh, at the Royal Cinema? At the Royal Cinema. And it's $39 for the film, for a cocktail or beer and for a fabulous snack. Okay, great. So if you want to find out more information, you can go to the website, eatablefilms.com. Um, thanks so much, Rachel. Really appreciate it. Also, just want to let listeners know that after the break, I'll give you details on how you can win a pair of passes to the Tuesday night screening. And that's one that, Rachel, you were really um, talking about with Chef John Horn from Canoe. Super excited about it. Yeah, that's going to be great. So um, thanks so much for giving us some tickets to give away. So uh, keep listening. After the break, I'll tell you how you can win. Uh, thanks so much, Rachel, and, and good luck with the rest of the festival. Thank you so much, Pei. You're listening to the Pei Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.
Now we'll check your drive with News Talk 1010, time saver traffic. Well, new highway problems, and for the second time today in nearly the same spot, Toronto bound on the QEW at Dixie through Mississauga, a crash that just started out small. Now crews are taking up three left lanes to deal with it. And if that's not enough, if you were going to use that route to head to downtown Toronto, forget it. The Gardner Expressway closed after the 427 all the way through to Carlos. You have to make alternate arrangements to get through downtown or over to the DVP. In town, problems gone on Bloor east of Ossington. We had wires down and we have a pole installation blocking the right lane in both directions. This is along Morningside in Scarborough from Ellesmere to Kingston. Visit MrLube.com by October 30th to get your coupon for a free pair of Michelin hybrid wiper blades. With any oil change only at Mr. Lube. I'm Jody Thornton with Toronto's breaking news, traffic and weather. In-depth radio news talk 1010. Your next update at four. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. As I mentioned just before the break, I do have two pairs of tickets to give away to the Tuesday night screening for the Eatable Film Festival. Uh, that is the movie called A Portrait of a Garden. So here's the thing. I've got two pairs to give away. The screening starts at 7 p.m. And just so you know whether or not you could actually make it, it's at the Royal Cinema. That's at 608 College Street. So for your chance to win, you can just text in 71010. Give me your first and last name, uh, phone number, and email address. So we'll email you information on how to get your tickets for the Tuesday night screening. And the tickets are uh, $39 a piece. You're getting an $80 value there. You get to watch the screening of the movie. And this one is um, the first time it's being screened. It's a documentary, as uh, Rachel mentioned, and she's the co-founder of Eatable Film Festival. And you also get to try something really beautiful from Chef John Horn from Canoe. So again, you can just text in for your chance to win a pair of tickets. Text 71010, first and last name. Uh, your number will show up, so I'll assume that's what I can call you at, and then include your email address so that we can send you information. And this is the Tuesday night screening this Tuesday at the Royal Cinema at 7 p.m. So I mentioned off the top of the show, in case you missed it, uh, that there's a uh, poop cafe in Toronto. And um, maybe you've heard of it because... It's just so different in the city. And actually, maybe you haven't heard of it. And there might be some reasons for that as well. So it's opened along uh, sort of Koreatown, which is Bloor Street and and Christie area, sort of the major intersection. I've not been, but here's what I'll tell you. Is that in Taiwan, that is where uh, my family is from, there has been a poop-themed restaurant there for a couple of years. And it's insanely popular. So when I was there uh, over the Christmas holidays... My cousin was going to take me there because he was picking up all the touristy places that my brother and I might like to go to. He's like, do you want to go to this poop restaurant? I'm like, I 100% do not want to go to anything known as the poop restaurant. But it's it's a novelty. It's hugely popular. So there are a couple of these like toilet-themed places that exist around the world. And now we have a little poop cafe here in the city. Um, I was not that curious, but curious enough that I uh, contacted Karan Liu, who is the food writer at the Toronto Star, because I knew he had been. Hi, Karan. Hi, hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm pretty excited that you have been to the poop cafe so that yeah. I can decide whether or not I want to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of all the things that I've done at the Toronto Star, it's me going to the poop cafe. I got you interested in putting me on your show. Well, you do so many great things, but it was this one. I was like, you know, do I know anyone who's been to the poop cafe? Hey, I think Carl 
Sean posted about it. So it's fairly new. It's only been open, I think, for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it opened on my, my like the, the weekend of my birthday. Oh, well, what a why, celebration. Why, yeah, my uh, boyfriend thought it would be a perfect romantic <laughs> lunch to go to. Was that really your birthday treat? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, my gosh. Think of all the anniversaries you can spend there now because it, it's so symbolic. Exactly. <laughs> so I know that this particular cafe is not, it's not associated or affiliated with other restaurants around the world, but it's picking up on that trend and that theme. Um, so what what's the decor like? Like, is it just, uh, I'm picturing tables and rows of toilet seats or something to sit on. Yes. So there, you, you sit on, on toilets, but there's also like a, like a baguette as well. There's a lot of poop emoji pillows. Um, 3D printed cartoon poop as well. There's like a chalkboard wall with like cartoon uh, poops and like <laughs> smelly lines radiating from everywhere. It's it's what I like to call uh, an Instagram restaurant. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Because the funny thing is, is like poop itself. Like if you walk down the street, if you walk into a park in Toronto, it's not adorable. But the poop emoji they made so cute because I've I know people. I, who thought the poop emoji was um, actually chocolate ice cream. Like they just didn't know what it was. No, I'm not even kidding you. I know someone who's like, was sending her daughter the emoji thinking it was chocolate ice cream. I'm like, it's not, it's, it's poop, but it has a cute cartoon face and it's smiling. Uh, and I've seen this past year, like I, at major stores, I've seen the, basically that same emoji uh, translated as notebooks or hats and um, even like a Halloween costume. So I figure that the decor in there must be like the adorable version of the poop. Yes, it's, it's, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yes, uh, poop is a very adorable poop, <laughs> a very adorable little poop. No, okay, so let's get to the menu because uh-huh. I know that the one, the one in Taiwan, which I don't know if it was the first of this theme, but it was definitely one that caught a lot of international attention. Um, they do like it's a full like lunch dinner menu, and they do like you know rice and curry. You can have. I think maybe part of that novelty is that they would you could just have like noodles and soup, but it was served in a bowl that looked like a toilet, you know, so it wasn't yeah. super offensive. So what are they doing at this particular cafe? So this place is it's dessert. It's a dessert place. So, ah, okay. Yeah. So it's uh, ice cream sundaes, uh, shaved ice, um, rolled ice creams, milkshakes, uh, that kind of stuff. So it's all sweet. There isn't. There's no savories. There's no noodles or, or, or curry. So it's a dessert place. So none of it is, uh, I mean, in going to the theme of the cafe, it's not like the food looks like poo. Like it's, it's desserts. It's like you're saying it's ice cream and Yeah, I mean, the, the desserts, they come in, you know, these novelty bowls that are shaped like toilets and urinals. But the desserts itself, you know, they, they look like a, like a regular Sunday that you would get at any restaurant. So we ordered like and a Nutella sundae, so I had like a scoop of like... Of course, Nutella! Chocolate ice cream with like a little like pat of uh, Nutella and a stereo rocher on top with like some Oreo bits and uh, whipped cream and right. served in a toilet bowl. So, so you know, you take away the bowl, it just looks like any other sundae. So it's, it's like kind of having... It's a fun vessel, basically, right? Like it's... Exactly. Um, I think the, the one poop food that they have are these like uh little red bean cakes uh that are shaped like a poop oh oh how delicious like it's mm-hmm. it just boggles my mind I'm like in this day and age we want to go to a cafe where everything is poop themed 
Exactly. Although I would say that if I opened up a food cafe, I feel like I would have gone, like I would have gone a little bit further with the poop theme. How so? And, um, I would say the, the ice cream, I would definitely make it like a swirl to make it look like the poop emoji. Right. Yes. Um, and I would, instead of the chalkboard wall, I would do like a tile to make it look like an actual bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, knowing me, I would probably take it a little bit too far and it would just have diminishing returns and no one would go to it because I would take it way too literal. Because the thing is, is like, it's a cute idea and you want to go in and think that it's like a fun little, it's almost like a theme park in some way, but yeah. uh, you don't want the food to, you, you're still eating, so you don't want it to turn you off. You don't want to look at it and go, oh, no, yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a fine line, but for, for some reason, I think we were kind of disappointed that it wasn't gross enough. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, if you're going to, if you're going to open a poop cafe, I feel like you, it's kind of like a, like go big or go home kind of a thing. Oh my God. Um, people are texting <laughs> into like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, no, this place is for real. And I'm curious. You can also text in seven ten ten. Let me know if you are curious at all to go to this place. Do you think it's, in my mind, because I haven't been to it, I imagine it as like a really fun place to take your kids to maybe because it's kind of silly, but it's not, it's still just, um, you know, dessert in a bowl, but the bowl. Yeah. Is- so there were a lot of kids, uh, when we were there, actually, uh, a lot of kids, parents, a lot of, you know, young, younger tweens and, and teens on, on their Snapchat and Instagram <laughs> posing, um, Actually, one of the uh, girls in the table next to us was, like, asking us if we were done with our 3D-printed uh, poop sculpture so that they could pose or pose with it for their photos. I don't understand. What is this sculpture made? Like, what What do you mean? It's, is it, like, a paperweight? Like yeah, it looks like it's just, like, a white um, plastic cartoon poop that was uh, printed from a 3D printer. Oh, I see. Yeah. Did you buy that? Is it? Are they sold no, there? No, it was just on our table. There's like a, a lot of props oh. that you could work with because I think the owners knew that, you know, it was like an Instagram restaurant. So they kind of played out that fact with and so many props and elements that would that you could, you know, take a photo with and right. Instagram, which, you know, advertising that's, why not well then that's how you're supposed to advertise your place these days especially if it's it's really visual well um thanks for joining me thanks for giving me the lowdown on uh, this this cafe it was my pleasure to <laughs> share the experience of my crappy time there <laughs> ah and, and enjoyed that one very much thanks karen <laughs> that's uh karen lu he's a food writer with the toronto star he does a lot of great things and great recipes i promise you it's not just all poop cafe thanks to those of you who have entered the contest to win tickets to see eatable films uh for the two winners i will email you back and uh, connect you with uh, how you can pick up your tickets have a great weekend and uh, if you want to check out the podcast or preview shows paychen.com thanks to mike catherwood and uh, i'll talk to you next week